This month, Star Wars Celebration 6, August 23rd through the 26th at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida. The stars include James Arnold Taylor, Anthony Daniels, Dave Filoni, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Ian McDermott, Ben Burke, Kenny Baker, <laughs> Jeremy Bullock, Jake Lloyd, Daniel Logan, Peter Mayhew, and many, many more. But the most important guests of all, two true freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting on the uh, on the list of events and, and specific things that are going on, but something that just got announced that I am psyched about, and I don't know if you saw this, Chris, the Clone Wars Season 5 red carpet premiere at Celebration 6. It says it's... Are they- Huh? Are they actually going to show an episode of it or something? I think so. It says here, attendees of Star Wars Celebration 6 will be the first in the world to see the action-packed premiere of Season 5 of Star Wars The Clone Wars at a big-screen red carpet event featuring stars of the hit series from Lucasfilm Animation. On Friday, August 24th at 5 p.m., the digital stage at Celebration 6, the venue optimized for high-definition digital theater exhibition with a state-of-the-art surround sound, will present an evening of Star Wars The Clone Wars Entertainment beginning with a special presentation of the season four finale, the episode Brothers and Revenge, or the episodes, rather, Brothers and Revenge. These are followed by Revival, the long-awaited season premiere on Cartoon Network this fall that continues the story of the resurrection of Darth Maul. Now, now did you... Did you watch the end of season four yet? Mm-hmm. Are you all caught up? So I was really caught up. I want. I was wonder. I was wondering what you were going to think about the whole resurrection of Dar- how they how they brought back Darth Maul. Did you think it was cool or cheesy? Um, I'm reserving judgment. What I saw of him so far, the whole crazy Darth Maul thing, I wasn't uh-huh. all that crazy about. But the concept. Of him being back and having the uh, like spider-like body from the waist down, I like a lot because basically it shows me somebody's been reading some back issues because that was a story that uh, was an it was a non-canon story from Star Wars Visionaries where uh, like Luke's like I don't know like eight or ten years old or something like that, and Darth Maul comes hunting for him at the Lars farm, and Kenobi comes out of nowhere and saves his life and basically takes Maul down a second time. But in that story, Maul was a cyborg from the waist down. He had—he almost looked like Pan. He had, like, Pan legs, you know what I mean? Like goat legs, but they were ro- uh-huh. robot legs, you know? It, it was cool. It was a good story. So this looks very similar to that. It almost looks like it could put that story, excuse me, into uh, continuity now. Yeah. I like that whole subplot with the, the witches from that planet that, that created Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was... It didn't seem very Star Warsy at first, but it it did once it got going. I really liked it. So yeah, that'll be cool. I would love to see that. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I am uh, I am especially psyched. Just that it, it's looking pretty official, folks. That we are going to be going to Star Wars Celebration. We are finalizing our plans, and this is entirely thanks to you, our listeners, and. Uh, Specifically, I want to mention by name our uh, what I'm going to call our second round contributors. Uh, these are the folks that are uh, they're making it all possible. So we have uh, Charlie Niemeyer, who uh, 
had asked us how we're doing on our donations. He he wanted to know. He's been trying to keep up with uh, keep up with us about that. So more on that in just a moment. Also, David Walker, Chris Keith again this month, Robert Gillis, Robert Ludwig, Mike Biblio, Mike Petit, and a special mention for going way way above, uh, far far above and beyond the call of duty on this. Our buddy Sean Engel. Thank you guys so so much. Um, it, it's the the outpouring, as I said before, has just been uh, extraordinary, and uh, we are very very appreciative. To answer Charlie's question, though, about uh, how are we doing? You know, where are we at on our on our personal scale for this thing, uh, as far as donations and and just you know the money that we had in mind that we needed to make this happen. Well, we got kind of a we got kind of a good news bad news scenario here for you, so. We're gonna do it. This way. We're gonna start it off with with the bad news. Unfortunately, so we want to start with the bad news. Yeah, okay. We're start, we're, tell well, that's me, story, Chris. Well, I, you know, I'm doing the whole. I, I, yeah, I just had a major bummer, man, on on eBay. Um, I won't go into the specifics of it because I don't want to. I I just don't want. <laughs> but it, it's. Just it, basically, let, let me just put it this way: that a, a lot of times when there's there's some sort of dispute or problem with something, the the, the seller on eBay just doesn't have any kind of rights of so. So basically, I'm out. It was uh, I think like 186 dollars. Mm. So that was almost the same as my ticket. Now I've I've got my tickets down there. I I have my bus tickets, but I've been doing the Rob Peter to pay pay Paul. Right thing to do that. So what's what's in danger for me now is like um, food and and, and uh, a place to live. <laughs> right. This. I mean, this is your livelihood. This is how you make your money. Is is from yeah. the eBay business. Yeah, that, and that's the thing, and that's a, that's that's the the curse of it. the The wonderful thing is, is I don't have to have a real job, and I sort of do whatever I want. But the the curse of it is, is you don't know, you know. If I put ten hours of work in, I don't know what I'm getting out of it. You know, it could be fantastic. It could be, you know, I got a rock. <laughs> right. But um, and and especially it's especially rough in the summer. And and I sound like I'm griping, but I've been doing for for summer for selling stuff on eBay in the summer. I've been doing good. I've been keeping my head above water. But it's rough in the summer. You know, it's all the action happens when when um the frost is on the pumpkin. And um, because that's the time for dick. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so yeah, so basically what I'm saying is yeah, I am poor and broke. So I'm at Star Wars Celebration, but I'm also in existential. You know, if if I'm lucky, in the next couple weeks I'll find some you know um, antique roadshow treasure. It's somebody's, somebody's garage sale and lost Van Gogh or something like that. Yeah, that would be nice. Napoleon's penis in a jar of formaldehyde or something <laughs> like that, you know. And basically, in like ah, a week to ten days, I have to stop doing that because I have to time it so there's no eBay going on while I'm down there because I won't be able to mail anything. You know, there's no way I'm gonna pack up all my shit and bring it down to to florida to mail off right but um 
so yeah so we're we're basically financially we're not totally we're not totally out of the woods yet so well that that's uh, that goes into the next stage of it so that that's that's kind of the bad news or you know that's that's the state of of chris's affairs with as we go into that that chris you know chris is entirely out of pocket on this thing and literally taking a week off of work and you know (laughs) potentially being able to you know literally pay his rent and that sort of thing to 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 attend this event so the good news is you know you our listeners have been extraordinary in this whole thing have have really stepped up to the plate really helped us out really throw literally a whole lot of coin i'm sorry they've literally made it possible you know people always say that oh the listeners made it possible for this to happen but if we didn't have listener money coming in when that ebay thing happened to me i would have been i would have been sitting right right it would have been like okay i can't buy a bus ticket and then right now right about now my bus ticket would be twice as much you know so then it would then i would have to be wondering how i was coming up with extra money so right boy and you know it sounds i just want to say to the people who've already given money you can relax now please don't don't feel that you know since we're still grubbing to, to give us anymore you guys did you guys did your part you will you will have eternal sex in valhalla when you die and uh yeah some of these guys i don't know how they got away if i did that my, and my wife found out i i'd i'd be you know my shit would be on the front lawn so yes to those people that that dug deep and and gave till it hurt thank you very much because i don't know how you got away with that if you, you know, M- meanwhile yeah they're, they're they're gonna come home next week and their wife's gonna be like i was listening to one of your podcasts today <laughs> <laughs> and she's got the rolling pin just tapping it the other hand. <laughs> do they use rolling pins anymore i always was under yeah, the pressure that they just got tasers and, <laughs> and just tased you these days for spray <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So, you know, that that's the good news is that the event is happening. You know, we've we've had enough coinage in the tip jar that, that we are getting together. It is happening. The Hair Metal Hero and Joe Anthrax have a room in at Disney. So mm-hmm. we you know, and, and Hair Metal Hero's got his his itinerary for his his trip down and Oh, it's just gonna be awesome. And uh yeah. Not only do we have bad news and then good news, we also have what I consider, for me personally, extraordinary news. I got, and where the hell did I put that paper? Here it is. I got a little follow-up from uh, Nadine Wright, who is uh, the media applications person at Star Wars Celebration. Let's refer to her as the angel Nadine Wright yes. from now on. Basically, long story short, she decided to uh, reopen our case, and after much uh, deliberation and gnashing of teeth and wailing and pleading and bended knee sort of thing, I got a nice little letter saying back from her, basically, hey, don't worry about it, I'm going to approve both of you guys for passes to Star Wars Celebration, so... Our way is paid as far as getting into celebration. This is a major relief for me personally. It's awesome. Um, that takes care of that. And it really, you know, along with the contributions and, and donations that we've had to the show, assures that we are going to celebration. Here's the thing I want to turn this around now. 
I want to kind of mutate the cause, so to speak. I want to make this a, uh, a save the Chris fundraiser. That's basically. I was just realizing. I'm like, so basically, all your money's coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, basically, uh, I want to make sure that not only are we now able to go to this thing and and be together with our friends and and have coverage for you and everything that you ex- expect from two true freaks, but I want to make sure that uh, uh, Chris has a home to go back to when it's <laughs> I come so- home and all my shit isn't on the curb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you know, and anything that 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 you can spare to throw into the tip jar is greatly greatly appreciated because at this point. Like I say, show's paid for. However, uh, we want to make sure that uh, Chris's rent is paid for as well because he's he's literally sacrificing his livelihood to attend this event. So uh, let's help him out. But uh, again, thank you to everyone, first and second round contributors who gave so much. We really, really do appreciate it. We uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> desire a place to get away how about three you truly belong here among the clouds on bespin the first stop on your star tours getaway package stay and play in the clouds and enjoy the spectacular galaxy in the skies fireworks pageant every single night the fun continues on the forest moon of Endor, where you'll sleep under the stars with the lovable Ewoks in their charming tribal villages. Your third stop brings you to the peaceful world of Alderaan, where you can relax in a natural wonderland, recently voted safest planet in the galaxy by Hyperspace Traveler. This Star Tours getaway package is three times the fun in one, so ask your travel consultant to book yours today. With more than 50 different adventures, you never know where you'll go. Star Tours new in 3D. Flights departing daily from Disney's Hollywood Studios. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. I sense a disturbance in the Force. You always sense a disturbance in the Force. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Maybe there's a lesson to be learned here. Welcome to Star Wars Monthly Monday number 43. My name is Scott Gardner and I am joined by the man who invented the 18-hour bus ride and perfected it, 
Chris Honeywell. Uh... <laughs> That's how you feel after an 18-hour bus ride. It ain't going to be an... It's going to be a 32-hour bus ride, my friend. Jesus Christ. So it's it's roughly twice that. It's almost twice that, yeah. Oh, my God. My, my heart goes out to you. Um, now you were reminding me as the uh, credits were rolling there. The the guests did the uh, yeah guests the uh, listeners didn't hear this, but um, you know that we uh, we actually have a panel at a Star Wars celebration this time around, which is kind of one of the reasons I suspect that they reevaluated <laughs> letting us into the damn thing is that we're supposed to appear there. So, uh, but yeah, uh, tell tell the nice folks where uh, where they can uh, come see us if they're uh, if they get to attend uh, Star Wars Celebration. Hey yo, um, yes, it's uh, from now. This is tentative information. We don't know this for sure, but I mean, this is this is from uh, we've been talking to uh, Josh Pertoni, who's on the panel with us, and another Chris. So there'll be two Chris's at least, and that's we, there may be more. So. Tentatively, we're looking at Friday, August 24th, and it'll be, as we guessed, about an hour from 12.30, well, exactly an hour from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. the afternoon on the fan stage. So I don't know, is that like where you do fan dancing? Uh, I don't know. It says I here on so. the fan stage, and then it says W311ABCD. I don't know if that's the name of that fan stage. I I don't know, but that's it the almost, information we got from Josh. So W311 almost sounds like, you know, like room 11 on the third floor in the west yeah, wing or something yeah, like that something like that yeah that does actually make sense well i, I know that uh, the the orange county convention center is a massive massive place so yeah that kind of sounds like uh if you see the different maps that they put out and how they you know break things up as far as you know divisions of you know tables and and rooms and things like that then yeah that's probably what that stands for but yeah Friday, uh, Friday the twenty fourth, from twelve thirty to one thirty, according to this, and hopefully, if things change, we'll we'll have time to throw out something on the air, you know, to let you know, you know, that that things have changed, plans have changed, or whatever. But at the moment, you know, as as Chris says, tentatively. So uh, I'm excited. This uh, this panel is going to be specifically covering uh, Marvel Star Wars comics, which uh, we feel we know a little bit about, seeing as how we've been talking about them for four damn years now. So, <laughs> I, I think between us and Bertoni, and I, I don't know anything about um, his friend Chris, although we did hear, what is the name of the Sarlacc Pit podcast? Yeah, he's on uh, Sarlacc Pit, and it says that he's a Bothan spy for um, the uh, Unknown Regions podcast. Which I've heard of that one. Yeah, I, I've heard of both of them. I must profess I'm I don't really know much about them. I actually don't listen to other Star Wars podcasts just because, well, you know, kind of do one of my own and don't want to ever get accused of stealing anybody else's material. So I, I don't I don't listen to others. But uh, I, I'm excited nonetheless. I'm always uh, I always like to meet fellow fans. So it should. Be well, I fun. trust I trust Josh's. I figure if it's somebody Josh knows, it's got to be absolutely got to be good people. But uh, you know that reminds yeah. me. It's a shame to me because uh, you know the, the, I take that back. I have listened to another Star Wars podcast, which was the one that Josh was doing, and I right. sure wish he'd get off his ass and pick that back up again because I thought Josh was doing a really good job, 
even though he was stealing our shtick, I still loved it anyway. I know, it was amazing how he started stealing our shtick before we even did our podcast. That was the amazing part. Because <laughs> he started before us, didn't no, he? No, no, he did not. No, no. We oh, were, no? We were around before him. No, oh. we were around before him. Dude, you realize, now I know that we'll end up mentioning this in uh, in Star Trek Monthly Monday, mostly because we've already recorded that episode. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we sure will mention it. This is the last episode of our fourth year, and uh, starting uh, the week after this episode comes out, we'll, we're officially beginning our fifth year of Two True Freaks. It's pretty, pretty wild when you think about it. That's crazy. crazy. Yep. Weren't we supposed to be rich by now? Or famous or something? <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Some, something, yeah. Well, well you know, it, it, well, maybe it's, in five more years. <laughs> uh, I, five I more, more years, we'll we'll double our listenership again to like thirty-five, forty people. It'll be awesome. I blame it all on that, you know, on that 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 uh, dry erase board that's up in the break room that says, you know, step one, steal underpants. You know, step two is a big question mark, and step three is profit. You know, I I still don't understand what the hell that's all about. <laughs> but um real quick couple of things before we get into the show proper i want to shout out a big old thank you to our buddy bill robinson who hopefully will be able to uh see at a star wars celebration i know that he's uh he's in the negotiating phase of trying to uh get to go to this thing hopefully that no no i think he's i think he's uh, is he well i know um luke jack and eddie's negotiate in the negotiating phase but is is Last, I thought he was. Last I heard from Bill, it wasn't it wasn't entirely a done deal, but it's more or less a done deal. So hopefully, well, I'm gonna say it's out. I'm gonna say it's confirmed. Okay, just so just so the pressure's on for uh, him to go okay. there. Yes, well, I, yeah, I hope so because I, I want to be able to uh, to meet him in person and shake his hand and thank him profusely. He hooked me right up. Uh, he he was talking to our mutual buddy Tor, which I I don't know why Tor just couldn't let me know himself, but. Uh, he told Bill, and then Bill told me that uh, there was uh, a way to get a hold of uh, of Marvel Age um, digital copies, and uh, and Bill was nice enough to hook me up with those. So I, I finally have the entire series of uh, of Marvel Age, which I was very excited about. I mostly wanted them for that one elusive issue, and now the issue number has totally escaped my mind. It was something like number nine or ten or something. It was a Star Wars issue that featured like interviews and stuff with the creators from right around this era that we're in right now so i was finally able to track that over and i'm really 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 glad that i got it in a digital format and did it would have been disappointing yeah it was it's it's not that it was bad or anything but ultimately it really didn't lend any insight it wasn't anything i didn't already know you know so it was neat to see you know some of the the sketch work and stuff like that. But ultimately, yeah, I'm really glad I didn't pay like 10 bucks for it on eBay or something because I'd have been pretty pissed. So, well, the thing about Marvel Age, funny. <laughs> the thing about Marvel Age is they couldn't do an insightful article about how like Lucasfilm wouldn't let them write about anything or something like that. You know, they couldn't do anything like that. So they probably weren't left with much but to say, hey, look who's working on it and look right. what they're doing. And that's, that's about it, you that's know. That's exactly what it is. It's it's very much a fluff piece. And once you've read the 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 couple of different back issue articles about it, where that's exactly what they did was they went into the behind the scenes story of being hamstrung by Lucasfilm. Uh-huh. 
then it this just doesn't read as hard hitting you know it's more of here's what's coming up in star wars some of which was you know was interesting because it didn't quite pan out that way so that you know that part of it was interesting but for the most part it was just a fluffy little here's what's coming up and it was like yeah okay well thanks i knew that it didn't really lend any insight at all so glad that he saved me the money on that one also, I want to throw out a uh, a plea for feedback. Um, I don't know if you got you probably, guys probably will have heard this by the time you're hearing this episode. There's an episode of uh, of Back to the Bins that I recorded with uh, with Paul Spataro, and Michael Bailey, where uh, where we put out the the p the, yeah put out the plea rather for feedback. I kind of want to do that here. I know we have been horribly, horribly, horribly remiss in ever addressing our email feedback but uh, I have gone in uh, with Paul's help and we've we've kind of cleaned out our different email bins to the different shows and uh, for now <laughs> yeah now, for the time being and uh, I really want to make more of a, of a solid effort to uh, to read you know the the feedback that comes in via the email so don't give up on us you know if you've got something interesting to say and you know you've got a uh, good feedback for the shows uh, please send it along to us. It helps a lot, by the way, if you, um, in the subject line, if you address it to whichever particular show, you know, you're you're wanting to talk about. You know, if if your feedback is about Star Wars Monthly Mondays, address it, you know, that way, so that we know what show it is that you're responding to, and then we, you know, it helps us kind of address the emails a little bit better that way. We get a, we used to get a lot of just general ones that'll say you know i liked what you said in this episode and i liked what you said in that episode well then you don't for us then we're stymied we don't know which episode we should end up discussing it in so then it just doesn't get discussed at all which is that sucks you know i know what it's like to write in a you know a a letter to a show and then you're waiting and waiting and going oh those bastards they never read my letter you know so i don't want to be like that so please write in and uh and i will make a better effort to get to those real quick we did get one that i stumbled across that i just had to read because i i it, it just made my day and it was just a, a real short note it says fellas he says i know i'm a little late to this particular party but thank you for your ongoing coverage of the unfairly dogged further adventures of indiana jones i started collecting all the issues i could get my grubby or scurvy little hands on about two years ago but I'm sadly a long way from completion. I know that not all of the stories are gold, but there are a few nuggets of awesomeness that pop up from time to time. I'm also aware that it has been quite some time since my last email, and I apologize for that, but I plan to rectify that very soon. Take care, freaks, he says. And this is from Josh Mother Lovin' Baker. I have a question for you. This is how stupid I am. I forgot to read Indiana Jones number four for this month. Uh, that's the irony of this of this feedback segment, because we're actually not covering an issue of Indiana Jones in this particular episode. Only oh, good. We uh, we're a little bit we're slightly off format in the uh, in the fact that we're actually covering three Marvel Star Wars comics this time around. One of them being a giant annual, just so that it keeps us on format. From here on out, the way we figured it, if if we cover two issues of Star Wars from now through the end of the series, then that that pretty much keeps us on target to where the last coverage the the last episode that we do covering marvel star wars will be 107 the final issue all by itself and just like a mega event episode so hopefully that makes sense but basically it keeps us with even numbered all you know issues all the way through to the end of the series 
in order to make that happen, I realized, and you, if you guys listened all the way to the very, very end of last month's Star Wars Monthly Monday, you'll hear where uh, I, I put a little bit of stuff you know, in post at the end of the episode where I was like, oh, shit. And I realized that we actually had an extra comic to cover this time around, which is Star Wars Annual Number 3. Now, so far, we've never covered any annuals on this show. Star Wars had three annuals, and we haven't ever covered any of them. Well, mostly because, i got to be honest, they weren't very good, but also because kind of we just forgot. But Annual 3, it turns out we actually have to cover this episode. And the reason we have to is that there's a character that's introduced in Annual 3 that's going to it's pop show up, up one of the issues that we're about to cover. So that's why this for just for this episode, where you're getting three issues of Star Wars, no issue of Indiana Jones, unfortunately. But don't give up on us, Josh. We haven't forgotten Indiana Jones. We'll get back to him uh, uh, next time around. By the way... I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that the uh, that those issues of uh, of that series are are proving difficult for you to find because I see them in fifty cent bins like all the friggin' time. But if you do want to get the whole series, you know, cheap and conveniently, they are all collected in I want to say it's three volumes, two or three volumes of omnibuses that are put out by Dark Horse. That I know that you can get them on the cheap. If you follow our Amazon link, go on over to Amazon. I know they're over there, and they're not terribly expensive. And the 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 reprinting quality and the and the production on them is really really nice. It's good stuff. It's they're basically in the same format as the Star Wars omnibuses. Star Wars that, ones, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're really really nice. And I think that's about all I got before the issues proper. What do you got? Anything? Well, let's see. I got um, a couple Star Wars things that. Um, at um, Rummage Shales in the last couple weeks. I got R2-D2 is in Trouble game, which is basically the Pop-O-Matic Trouble game. Oh, wow. Except it's got R2-D2 in the Pop-O-Matic, and when you Pop-O-Matic it, it does, you know, R2-D2 chirps. Huh. Um, for sale now, <laughs> it's up on eBay now, is... Uh, Glow-in-the-dark Queen Amidala action wall scenes. <laughs> and they're those, like, peel-off decals that you can uh, put on the wall and move around, and they've got glow-in-the-dark paint on them. I'm pretty sure that they don't have the Queen Amidala glow-in-the-dark action wall scenes that I would like to have on my walls. Right, the, those glow-in-the-dark, the, the ones you want. That's why these are up on eBay right now. These are, <laughs> it's like, ah, I can't really use this. And I got this weird... Um, speeder bike, but it's like this stretched out, long like sedan speeder bike. You know, it's some... Ooh, I'll bet you that that is from um, Shadows of the Empire, I'll bet you. It's Imperial. It's got Imperial... It has Imperial markings on it. Huh. I wonder what that's from. Don't know, but it's made for, you know, your standard, what, four-inch action figure type thing. It was just random, and I got a probe. I got a probe droid figure, oh, cool. too. But for, that was from. It wasn't an original one. It was you know a nineties ninety seven, and it's got like a you hit a little button on the bottom of it, and the top of it you know flies up in the air, as if it has just gotten shot by Chewbacca. Oh, cool! So that's pretty cool. All of all of this stuff I found in like little 50, 50 cent 
bins, you know, basically the 50 cent bins for toys. <laughs> I think I got another Jar Jar action figure, but those, you know, those are all over the place. <laughs> they, they melt real good. <laughs> they blow up just like G- like uh, army men. Yeah, <laughs> got any firecrackers? But that's about all I got. I'm about ready to to lunge into these. Uh, it's an interesting batch we got. Oh this yes, it is for sure. You know the the talk about that probe droid though got me thinking. Uh, I, I was just thinking about uh, when uh, Star Wars weekends were here not long ago, and uh, and they had a full size probot mock up. In the and uh, I was gonna say in the dealer room. It's not the deal. You know the merchandise warehouse. They called it Darth's Mall, which is, I don't know whether to think is very clever or very cheesy. A little of both, I guess. Could be both, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool because you know, like the head swiveled back and forth, and it made the little sound and all that. And I was just thinking, that alone gets just thinking back about that gets me that much more psyched up for uh, for celebration. Because dude, we're gonna be just surrounded. There's gonna by be stuff, stuff like, like that, that all over the place, yeah. And I'm so looking forward to you and I just just going picture crazy and getting our pictures taken, standing with this. I mean, come on, we have wanted to do this all of our lives. You know, this- you know what my you know what my big thrill picture taking wise is gonna be is to get you bastards in front of a white wall. And take pictures of your faces from every angle so I can Photoshop you onto women's heads after, for, for promotion for the show. That's what I'm looking forward to. Finally having, like, all the angles so I can, you know, when it comes time to Photoshop, you guys, I don't just have the one picture that fits on everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's one awesome picture, though. <laughs> I got plenty. I got a lot of good ones of you. I got that one mugshot one that you sent that looked like you just got up in the morning after an explosion. <laughs> I like yeah, I like the kissy face one. You have gotten a lot of mileage out of that picture. I, I swear because to God. Because it's because it's the only one that has you at that perfect angle, and it's just the most ridiculous look ever. So of course it's fodder for that. Of course the the real picture of that is Scott kissing a, a statue of Oprah Winfrey. Yes. So so it's even more extra special when you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I am I am so psyched up for this, but we need to talk about some Star Wars comics. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. So first up is Star Wars number 91. This is the January 1985 issue. Uh, it was actually on the rack in mid-October 1984, according to Mike's amazing world of, uh, of DC Comics. And uh, he's now expanded to cover Marvel and several other companies. If you guys aren't using that site as a resource, you really need to go check it out. It is a great, great site. 
The uh, cover on this one depicts John Graw holding a sleepy Chewbacca and jabbing at clawing hands of reaching <laughs> in from the sides. Doesn't he look like John Graw? Yeah, there's a <laughs> something. Something's wrong with him for sure. He's crazed. Yeah, it's like crazed Han Solo. <laughs> he's uh, he's like jabbing with. He's holding Chewie with one hand, and then he's got his fist balled up like he's gonna jab. Um, at these hands that are reaching in from the sides of the of the panel, you know, the sides of the cover, and then there's these teeny tiny, cute little pseudo Ewok looking, or I mean, a pseudo Wookie looking things in the background. They're all chained up like a chain gang, but they look like a cross between like pygmy Wookies, Ewoks, and like chimpanzees from Planet of the Apes or something. There's a little they're, chimpanzee for sure in yeah, there, yeah. Yeah, they're they're very bizarre looking. Cover price was a mere sixty cents. This is the last time that we'll get the uh, the little Han and Chewie logo box that's up in the corner, right above the price tag. I don't know if I mentioned this before. So, the logo has changed several times lately on this title, and this one was used previously on issues eighty four and eighty five. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but this is the last time we will see this particular logo. The story and the plot are by Joe Duffy. Tony Salmons and uh, Tom Palmer provide the cover and the interior pencils and finishes, respectively. Tony Salmons, not a name I'm familiar with. Uh, Ken Bruzanak is the letterer. Glennis Ween is the colorist and Ascenti editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. And the story is entitled Wookiee World. Chewbacca, along with, with his... two E's. Yes. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, isn't that the way you spell it? I thought it was just I-E. I'm not sure. I, I've always spelled it with the two E's, but I have seen it both ways. You know, there's several words in, in Star Wars that uh, that I frequently see spelled several different ways. Wookiee's definitely one of them. Lightsaber's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kashyyyk itself, I think, according to something I was looking at, Kashyyyk is misspelled in this issue is what it says, but I've... I've seen it both with an S and a Z, and I think the old Topps cards used to spell it with a Z, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think you're right. Yeah, see, I don't necessarily consider that an error, but something I was looking at, like Wikipedia or something, said it was misspelled. But see, I think it's a matter of interpretation. So this story starts out, Chewbacca, along with his pals Han Solo and Lando Calrissian, has returned to his home planet of Kashyyyk to get a little... But right off the bat, there is trouble, starting with the Falcon and the Cobra, which is Lando's ship, being diverted to a very specific landing pad. And Chewie's not too happy about this, and he's making Lando nervous with all his bellowing and carrying on when Han steps in with a nicely rendered flashback to calm his old partner down with. Han tries to reassure Lando, who's never been here before, that everything's just, you know, hunky-dory okay, but... Being one of the very few aliens on a planet full of Wookiees does nothing to settle Lando's nerves. He senses something's just not right here, but uh, before they can get into all that, they run into a chalky-skinned humanoid who's named Knife, and his partner is Vargi, a giant Wookiee, and incidentally, Chewie's brother-in-law. Knife offers to quote-unquote escort our heroes to Chewbacca's home, uh, but when they get there, no one is actually home. Nobody's there. So a little later, inside the treehouse, Han and Lando talk and express their apprehensions about this knife guy. Right in the middle of their conversation, knife hurls a, well, a knife, at Han and Lando. 
Han pulls his blaster, intent on ending Knife right then and there, when Lando stops him and points to the wall where Knife's weapon has skewered a flame beetle that had been crawling on the wall not far from the pair. Han kind of stammers out a thank you, and Knife says that he's uh, always happy to oblige. It's about that time that a noise from outside grabs Chewie's attention, and Lumpy, his son, peers in from around the open doorway. But before Chewbacca can rush to his boy's side, three huge Wookiee tough guys appear, brandishing weapons, and they scoop Lumpy up. Han and crew are on their feet, ready to draw down on the intruders when Knife reveals his true colors. He, along with Vargi and these other Wookiees, have reinstated the slave trade market here on Kashyyyk. Han and Chewie want to fight, but the sight of Lumpy and Chewie's wife Mala held in chains and at blaster point dissuades the pair from taking any rash action. Chewie is captured and paraded through the streets to further demoralize the populace while Han and Lando are chained up back to back in this holding area thing. But Knife has underestimated the both of them and they're able to pick their locks and escape in no time flat. Han and Lando rush to the nearby landing pad where Chewie is about to be loaded onto a transport along with a bunch of other Wookiee prisoners. Han attempts to free his best friend, but then he's busted in the process. A Wookiee guard hauls Han's ass out of the way and keeps a tight grip on him as Vargi steps into the picture and proceeds to beat the living hell out of Chewbacca, who doesn't fight back for fear of retaliation against his captive family. Han, having had his space spinach for lunch, apparently shouts, That's all I can stands! I can't stands no more! Okay. <laughs> Alright, well, he doesn't really say that. But he does manage to shake off the grip of a Wookiee half again his size, and he wades into the ring and decks Vargi, staggering a Wookiee half again Chewbacca's size. <sighs> At least he doesn't actually knock him out, which is the way I remembered this story, or misremembered it, if you... Right, right. You know, more on that later. Vargi regains his feet, and as you'd expect, proceeds to mop the floor with Han Solo. Now, you'd think that one good cuff would do the trick, but maybe Vargi's playing with Solo? I don't know. It's possible, I suppose. You know, we, we do get a panel of other Wookiees yucking it up while this beating is going on, so maybe that's what's going on here. But Vargi really lays into Solo. I mean, he gives him a serious ass-whooping. Now it's Chewie's turn for That's All I Can Stands, and while everybody's attention is on Solo's thrashing, he overpowers the guards and comes to his friend's aid. While he and Vargi are locked in Mortal Kombat, Knife draws a bead on our favorite hairy hero and is about to put a throwing blade in his back when Han shouts a warning. Suddenly the weapon is shot from Knife's hands and we see Lando has come to the rescue. And he's got Chewie's pop, who I don't think they actually call him by name in this story. Um, also Chewie's wife and son are with him. How exactly he pulled off this little rescue thing is <laughs> totally just swept under the carpets, not ever disclosed. So with the odds evened, Chewie is free to unleash his full Wook-Foo and he lays out Vargi in one roundhouse punch. Chewie is hailed as the hero of the day by his fellow creatures and during the celebration, Knife slips away and the issue wraps up with Han Solo resolving to catch up with the bastard at some later date. I'll get you, you bastard. <laughs> And that's pretty much Star Wars uh, 91. What did you think of this? It was good. 
it's just uh, it's amazing how consistent the art is with a completely different artist. You yes. know, there's there's a few little wonks or where you notice it's different, but Tom Palmer just keeps if Tom Palmer's involved, he just keeps us visually on track. Mm-hmm. And and it's not I I don't know if he's helping him with the breakdowns and stuff, but the way it's la- it's laid out and everything just seems consistent with all the other stuff. I, I I liked it. Well, I'm I, you know I have to admit it's got some nice panels of Mala in it. You know <laughs> so I've had to buy extra issues to this comic if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I'm biased. I, I love this issue. <laughs> I mean, this was a big deal to see Kashyyyk. Oh, yes. Not in the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at this point, I thought it was a little scandalous because I thought by now they would, you know, I mean, this was before probably, this was definitely before either you and I were going to ever get a hold of bootlegs of the Christmas right, special. Yeah. So we were like, I remember being very surprised that they acknowledged it, you know, they acknowledged that Lumpy and Mala and, and you know, the inside of their house was pretty much... Right. Their house was pretty much the house as depicted in the Christmas special. So that was one of my biggest notes as, as well on this. Is Probably my biggest note, really, is that I'm really very glad that they didn't just jettison everything that we had learned about Kashyyyk in the Star Wars holiday special... But they didn't exactly reference it either. But I, I like that they, they didn't disregard or contradict anything, so both of them can exist, you know, without this issue specifically right, referencing. Right. I, I like that a lot because that was my major, it's still my major bitch and, and beef with the Timothy Zahn uh, trilogy, you know, the, the post-Return of the Jedi novels, is that they, they directly contradict the holiday special and that's never sat well with me that's that's probably the primary reason believe it or not that i've really never cared for that that trilogy i know that might seem like a minor thing to some people but the star wars holiday special was a big friggin deal when we were kids and i just i never was comfortable with him just outright dismissing it like it didn't exist you know but yeah, I, I like that in this, that, that you know, they kept the names, they kept the look of the planet, they, they kept the look of the treehouse. You're right. I mean, they don't come right out and ever reference it, but visually, it's all there. Well, this is, this all those people who in episode one came out and they're like, yeah, he raped our childhood. Yeah, 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 you little girls, <laughs> little girlies. <clears throat> You want to hear a story? Scott and I, as little kids, all right, back in the Nam, <laughs> they were up in the trees. Scott and I, when we were little kids, we had to get our childhood killed while we were having it because we had the Star Wars Christmas special, which I don't care. The, the Star Wars Christmas special is a hundred Jar Jars in a blender. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's a it's 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 five hundred Jake Lloyds and a and a hundred Jar Jars thrown into a into a <laughs> bag and shaken up. Are you an angel? And we survived, right? We're we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. And so next time you're griping and carping about your episode one, just remember that. Go watch the Christmas special and just just remember. Never did me any harm except for severe uh, sociological uh, maladjustment and blurred vision. 
<laughs> that was masturbation that did that. <laughs> oh, oh, whoops. <laughs> but, um, you know, story-wise, yeah, the story's, yeah, you know, nothing... Nothing very special or insightful in it. As a matter of fact, it's kind of weird. You know, it's a little, little, little funky. Oh yeah. So, some of the some of the dialogue's pretty funky, but um, it's just it's just nice to see Wookie World. You know, right. it's nice to be on Kashyyyk and have just sort of a little story. You know, even you know, I mean, we got to see Kashyyyk in 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 the in the prequels, but it was just battles there. You know, it was right. just, it was sort of like. Oh, here's a vista of Kashyyyk. You didn't have an adventure there. You didn't get to like the only characters you got to see doing anything there were basically was Yoda, <laughs> right? And 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 uh, clone troopers. So so this was nice to have a whole cat, you know, a whole bunch of Wookiee characters doing doing Wookiee things, and uh, knowing. And then you find out that yeah, Chewie's huge and he'll rip your arms off but he's kind of a stumpy little uh <laughs> wookie he's not the bit you know he's not the biggest wookie on the block once right you get there. there seems to be quite a few wookies who are uh a bit bigger than him the artwork like as far as the artwork goes i really couldn't find anything stand up now of course you know another bonus with this is you have lots of you don't just have chewbacca lines you have Wookiee like, you, you know, Grr, Farouk, Harau. The book starts with my favorite. The opening splash is a beautiful, beautiful full-page splash of Chewie's face. And what is he saying? Gronk, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all our complainings about not having too many Chewbacca lines are all answered right here. He says York at one point. York. <laughs> he wants a peppermint patty. <laughs> oh, it's great. Let me see. Where's some other? There's got to be some other really good ones here. I love how the the Wookie. Some of the Wookies walk like that, like that Zapruder film of of Bigfoot too. I love it. <laughs> Swinging their arms and yep. just sort of, sort of like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> Boom. There's one that I can't figure out. It's V V V H H R R. So it's like There's a lot of howls. There's oh, there's an orc. I like that one. Orc. Graph. I like graph. That's a good one. Yeah, there's some good ones in here. There's some ones that are just like F. F R O O R Fruer. <laughs> That's what I'm just guessing that is what that is. I mean the, the first line that, that Lumpy has is Ooh <laughs> When Chewie shakes off or no, it's actually when he's knocking all those guards all over the place, he's going Grunk <laughs> there's, there's one with just a, a background Wookiee that's just saying Raff. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, Chewie actually says "howl" too. <laughs> and then there's an O O A R K. Ork. Yeah, that's the, Ork. That's the one. <laughs> I make that noise when I've drank too much. <laughs> Ork. <laughs> oh, it's great. 
Well, I've got some notes on this one. Right off the bat, I'm sorry, I don't like this cover. I never have. It's it's just, I don't know, there's something really wonky about it. Han looks bizarre. He does, he looks... He looks amazing. like Quentin Tarantino is what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> like Quentin Tarantino fighting off the paparazzi or something after he got punched in the face a couple times because right. his hair's a little scuffled up. <laughs> I mean, Chewie looks fine, but Chewie's the only thing on it that really does look fine. The The little... Wookiees in the background just look bizarre. They look like Oompa Loompas or something. They're just freaky looking. They've got a little bit of Calvin and Hobbes cartooniness <laughs> yes, to them. You know what I mean? That, yes, yes. Yes, they do. Yeah. Just little dots for eyes, you know. Yeah, and they're all they're sad. Yeah, I don't I just don't like the cover. But that's made up for as soon as you open the book, that that opening splash is just awesome. It's really, really nice. You know, I'm I'm not at all familiar with this Tony Salmons dude. I'm I'm not sure if I've ever even heard the name before. So I have no idea what his art style is because like you say, all I can see here is Palmer. So I don't know if his art just blends really well with Palmer or if Palmer's just, you know, totally overpowering it. I really don't know what it is. You know, it's not a harsh criticism at all. Like you, I like that that Palmer's the glue that holds the title together and keeps a consistent look throughout. But it does make me wonder, what the hell is this Tony Salmons guy? What What is his art style? I mean, are we seeing it here, or are we, is it just totally buried? I suspect that um, Palmer is shoring him up, because some of the panels do look a little wonky. Like, maybe they're a little stiff or something. Or so, empty. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's not bad. Chewie's close-ups... And and the other Wookiee close-ups in general, they they work pretty well, but most everything else with the Wookies, especially like the the long shots and the full body shots, they just lo- look a little off to me somehow. I'm not, I can't put my finger on it, but they they do look a little weird. Uh, let's see here, page three, pa- oh yeah, page three, panel four. I love the the flashback showing. You know the imperial domination of of Kashyyyk and the imperial. You know the stormtroopers marching the uh, the Wookies off to whatever the slave camps or whatever. You know you see the tree houses burning in the background. Oh, that's actually a really good panel. I like that. I like how the stormtroopers look there. They're really cool. The uh, likenesses in this for uh, for Harrison Ford and Billy D. Williams are actually pretty good throughout most of the the issue. Well, the 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 Lando right above Han on that page on page three. Mm-hmm. It looks like Billy D. Williams, but it looks like he might have like just sniffed a fart or something. <laughs> you notice he's sort of sort of like, hmm, yeah, what is hmm. that? Yeah, nose is a little curled up, like hmm. But he's around a shitload of Wookies, so it might kind of reek there. <laughs> there might be well, like I wonder if Wookies just stop in the uh, stop and take a dumper, you know? <laughs> like horse. It's not like they're wearing, a, yeah, they're not wearing underwear or anything, you know. <laughs> I uh, I love the Wookiee architect. Now it is pretty much the same as what we saw in the holiday special, but it's it's elaborated upon here, and uh, I like it a lot. It's really cool. It's uh, it's very like futuristic looking, but in a but in a primitive way, uh, if that makes any sense. But it's really well. Some of the places have like steps going up in a spiral pattern, Mm -hmm. and it looks with no hand, and it looks like a waka, and but. They don't go in a perfect spiral pattern. They sort of back up, and it looks like like taking a walk. If you were afraid of heights, going up into a Wookiee house would be like a, a two-hour hellish experience of <laughs> ripping the wall and just like... 
Yeah. You know, I don't even think I noticed that but until you said it. Yeah, page four that. has a really good example of one. Yeah. So but it's sort of going up like a spiral staircase, but then about halfway up, they're just sort of like, and it looks like you would it would be a little awkward stepping up on that, you know? <laughs> well, it wraps around, right? It, it wraps around, around, but it, do, it, it doesn't do it perfectly in a straight line. It sort of wraps oh, around and goes yeah. back a little bit, and it looks like you would have to sort of, when you sort of envision what you would have to do to step up it, it's it's kind of screwed up. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, no no handrail or anything there. Yeah, that's true. I notice there's a lot of ropes like tied that look like they maybe would use them to swing. Yeah, swing around, which I'm sure they picked that up after Jedi with the Tarzan yell. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. Page. Oh yeah, page five, panels two through five. I, this was this sequence just seemed a little bizarre to me lando he's kind of trailing behind han and chewie as they walk through the city streets and he realizes that everywhere he looks are these giant wookies so he literally runs and catches up to and clings to chewbacca like a scared little child and that's just bizarre to me that that's kind of goofy don't you think I mean that that bottom panel on page five. He's literally holding on to Chewbacca, like like Chewbacca's his daddy, and he's afraid, you know. Well, at least Chewbacca is looking a little uncomfortable by the whole. Yeah, he so is. Like, <laughs> so looking at it like, dude, come on. Yeah, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Um, page six, uh, panel five. Um, I don't like how Knife looks here in his first appearance. He's He's got a little bit too much Frankenstein head going on. I was just going to say, he's like Frankenstein, and it's like, we get it. His name's Knife. Look at all the knives. Around, you know, he's got, like, knives all around on his belt, and it's like, all you got to do with this guy is kick him down the stairs, man. If he rolls down the stairs, he's a <laughs> dead man. He's just going to chop his whole... He's going to Darth Maul himself to death. Yep. Oh, if he, how does he, like, later on, in a couple of pages, we see him sitting around a table, you know, having a drink with Han, and how does he even sit down with all those knives? It seems like he'd stab exactly. himself in the balls if he's tried to sit down wearing all those knives. That's why they make sheaths. That's why right. knives have sheaths when you wear them on your body. You <laughs> right, know? but none of his do. They're just no. the blades there, so yeah. He's that, crazy. Yeah, he's an accident waiting to happen. Now, Knife's, appear- uh, Knife's appearance in this makes this, by default, the first appearance of his particular race. And they're not named in this issue, and I'm not going to spoil what race they are, but we will see them again very soon, and they will be kind of a big deal throughout the end of this series, so uh, stay tuned for that. I like uh, the scene with Han and Lando working together as they're cuffed back-to-back, you know, picking the locks and all that, because you get a real feel for... You know that that they are friends from way back, and that they've had past. Experiences they've been through together. this before, yeah. Yeah, you know, which is something that's been much alluded to, but we've really seldom seen it until now. And I like that in this. It, that was a part of the story that really did work well for me. Uh, let's see, flipping ahead here. Oh yes, the uh, the eight hundred pound Wookie in the room, page seventeen, panel one. Han Solo not only breaks the <laughs> grip of a Wookiee, but then he charges in and belts a Wookiee and actually staggers him. Um, 
All I can say about this is that it's not as bad as I remembered it to be because I thought that Han he could have caught him off guard, you know. But come on, still, I mean, he's a he's a friggin' Wookie, and this Wookie is huge. You know, he's larger than Chewbacca. He towers mm-hmm. over Chewie. That's how big this guy is. Now I'll give you that. You know, Han had to have caught him by surprise. But still, I mean, to for Han to have even staggered him at all, let alone knocked him on his ass, seems that's just that's a that's a bridge too far for me in this story. I got to be honest. And is Vargi playing with Han here? Because you know, it, it seems like he's just beating the living shit out of him. You know, we saw in the very first Star Wars movie, we saw Chewbacca kill a guy with one good palm swat. So if Var- well, they they may not they you know I mean the Imperials might have been like, don't kill Han Solo, we want his ass alive. So Vargi might have been like, yeah, I could tenderize him a bit though, you know. <laughs> I guess. You know, if Vargi was serious though, Han would be dead. So I can only assume that he's he's playing with him because there is that scene, you know, the third panel on page eighteen with all the other Wookies standing around laughing while Han's getting his ass whooped. Mm-hmm. So maybe Vargi's actually saying something like, you know, watch this, guys, or something. But then again... Vargi might, might be, like, into selling people into slavery. He might not be into murder. There's, you know, he doesn't kill anybody else in this, you know, so... Right. He, he, might, he, he might not want to kill anybody, you know, he, but, you know, but he would... Um, what fun is it if you just knock Han Solo out, you know? Why not toss right. him around a little bit and get a few laughs from the guys well there there's one other possible no prize you know we at the at the bottom of page 21 we see chewy who's quite a bit smaller than vargi knock him clear across the room so you know there's every possibility that maybe vargi's just a big pussy too yeah not the not not <laughs> you know, he's big but he's not a tough guy he doesn't know how to fight right he might not have been you know chewy's been in some more tangles too you know he's probably a more experienced fighter where you know, Vargi could be a weekend warrior. Right. <laughs> Hard to tell. You know, it's it's not the best Star Wars story I've ever read, but you know, my only real, you know, quote unquote harsh criticism of, of this story is that it, it kinda gives you the impression that one guy and a handful of minions were able to subdue this entire whatever this is, village, city, you know, Wookiee population. And I, that needs some elaboration or something. You know, come to think of it, why the hell are his his henchmen? Why are they Wookies? Exactly. Unless it, well, there's money in it, you know. That's so yeah. they're, they're Wookies that are getting paid to, you know. That's how I mean, they they got that when we had the slave trade from Africa, they got villagers to a lot of the slaves they got were from other, you know. Somebody would go and kidnap people from another tribe and. Get, yeah, you know, get true. some money for them. Yeah. So they were ju- they're just asshole Wookies is all they are, basically. <laughs> you got them in the w- Wookiee land, too, you know? Oh, I would love this story if it was called Asshole Wookiee World. That'd be awesome. An asshole Wookiee would be one of the worst assholes you'd ever have to deal with. <laughs> and I, I also want to mention that we have a Wookiee with an eye patch in here, too. That's also... Yeah, I, I got a kick out of that. Mm. Um... You know, I just think I think it would have worked a lot better if these had been Trandoshans instead of Wookies. You know, because that would have given Bosk something to do, for example. Because I like that right. character. We don't see him enough, you know. But yeah, I mean, I can buy all that. Um, but overall, 
maybe maybe it's being forty-four and not twelve. Maybe it's that we're you know we're we're having to examine these issues that much closer because we're actually like writing up synopses and notes and stuff for them. But <laughs> you're def I can definitely see the plot holes in these things in a way that I didn't back in the day. You know what I mean? And that kind of makes me a little sad. Yeah. Um, lastly, for this, I, one, I think Joe Duffy is 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 more of a character writer. You know, right. writing like character conflicts and stuff. So the 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 plot dynamics of the story, you know, mechanics of the story aren't always as well thought out, you know. Right. We uh, we haven't seen the last of Knife, and there's going to be some bizarre contradiction regarding his name too, because in this, he claims that the Wookies named him Knife, but then when we see him in later appearances, his own people call him Knife as well. So there's a little bit of contradiction going on there. A um, couple of things in the letters page caught my eye. We had a uh, mention of uh, the writer of number uh, 83, Linda Grant, that she's now working on uh, Further Adventures of Indiana Jones at this time. I'm not sure what issue they're on as of this issue here, but that's where she eventually wound up. Um, and issue 83 got called out for its uh, Flash Gordonness. If If memory serves, I think 83 was that Lando solo story, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let's see. Actually, there is a checklist here. Let's see. Where was Further Adventures of Indiana? I remember that letter was just sort of like, I liked it, but let's not do that all the time. There was something right. like that. Oh, actually, in Further Adventures of Indiana Jones was at issue 25 at this time, so it oh, wasn't geez. far from the end, I think, because I think that series ended at, like, what, like 34, I want to say? 32, 34, something like that. Also, a letter writer, Mike Ryback, uh, makes our point for us about the entire empire crumbling just because Palpatine has died. And uh, writer Jeff Ellis asks, whatever happened to Shira Bry and Dom uh, Domina Tag? Marvel's answer was that we would see them both again real soon. But I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think that proves to be true for only one of those. One of them. Yeah, yeah I I'm think you're right. Positive. Yeah. And you're just going to have to stick around to find out which one. But that's, that's honestly, that's about all I got on this. Did you have anything else on this issue? No, not really. Did you ever play um, Montezuma's Revenge? No, I never did. It's really funny, though, because I just, at a rummage sale, I just picked up a board game called Montezuma. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at it right now. Like my, I, I like. There's a Secret War action was, figure ad in at, here. Yeah, I'm Pretty looking cool. at that as you mentioned. Yeah, I was just gonna say uh, there's a Secret Wars. Ad. It looks like the arts by Mike Zek too. It's actually pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then towards the end and the last page, there's like Iron Man in his Santa suit, which is for some reason made out of metal. <laughs> You're but right. Doesn't Iron Man look like he's put on some weight? Like Tony Stark's been like hitting the booze and like tacking on the carbs and if i'm not mistaken right around this time was the uh where where tony stark fell off the wagon again i i think so he was like the santa claus in in our christmas special that one year <laughs> <Yes>. swaggered <laughs> very christmas and and what's that going on is that his ass down there does he have some sort of weird big bubble ass going on do you see that? That's, what that's is going on, Doug? The power pod things that's on his side. 
Oh, okay, I thought that was a polyp of some sort or something. I thought he had to get that checked out. <laughs> Go to the mechanic and get that checked out, man. That doesn't look good. Get that drained. Would you believe I have looked at this ad a million times and never realized that his Santa hat and jacket were made out of metal before? I I never noticed that before. Yeah, it's That's like that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <clears throat> they should at least be like tin foil to be lighter. <laughs> and now, I s- seem to remember going over to your uncle Gary's and visiting. It was you, me, and Randy. Or I, I, I'm pretty sure it was you, me, and Randy. It was at least you and me. We went over there to see Michelle, and we ended. And they had Activision over there. Uh-huh. Where we, I think we were playing this decathlon game, which is on the back cover. And wasn't that like when when you were running? I remember the arcade version of it. Oh, yes. You just beat the <laughs> shit out of the buttons. You, you yes. actually whacked the buttons like a whack-a-mole. And you had to do the same with... So when you were running, you were going, bam, 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 with your fingers and the buttons to yep. to do all the action. I, I, I seem to remember playing that over at your Uncle Gary's. I don't know if it was this specific game, but I know I've played a game with a scene like it's showing here before where... You would just make the the hurdler guy run like hell, but never make him jump. So he would hit the hurdle and just go right on his face. Yeah, he'd <laughs> just go. Ugh. <laughs> well, yeah, we had no interest in those kinds of games because we had no interest in those kinds of sports. So we never played them seriously. It was like Randy trying to play Trivial Pursuits, you know. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I just picked up a Disney Trivia Pursuits. Oh really? At, at um a garage sale. What what so, is, it, is it? Is it just movies, or is it like got park stuff in it too, or what? I th- I don't know. I haven't ta- taken it apart and looked at it yet, but uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than that, like I said, this it's it's a fu- it's a fun little issue. It's really funny. It's a, a lot of times we find the stuff that we hated when we were kids, we seem to like a little better, and the stuff that we we're like, hey, that was really good, we're a little more critical of. Right. These days. I'll, Just because we're cynical bastards. Although there's, there's, you're you're about to get into one that uh, that my opinion has greatly changed since I was a child. So uh, mine, mine too. Yeah. That's that's yeah. How far is far? Announcing the Activision Decathlon by David Crane. How fast is fast? Ten events designed to challenge the limits of your ability. How great is great? I never thought I would experience the challenge of the decathlon again. I was wrong. For your Atari 2600, the Activision decathlon, let the games begin. This summer, join the party. The biggest Star Wars party ever. It's officially opened. Because Star Wars Celebration is back. (laughs) Bring your friends. And mingle with fans from across the galaxy. I'm from Virginia. Chicago. Louisiana. Michigan. Mexico. It's four days of non-stop Star Wars excitement. This is where the fun begins. With collectibles. We've got some great giveaways for you guys. Exhibits. There's a lot of mechanics, electronics. It's a true labor of love. And other fan-fueled activities. Are you guys ready to see some of the best costumes in the galaxy? Take in a show and experience exclusive fan screenings. Awesome, it was great. Fantastic. Get some skills from the real masters. My name is Joel Aaron, CG supervisor on Star Wars and Clone Wars. I've never really drawn a Wampa much, but I've seen Wampas around. Ah. With activities for Jedi of all ages. Activate! 
Yumblings, a visitor we have. And with tons of celebrity guests. Was that Seth Green just <laughs> There's no telling who will show up at this celebration. We're getting back together. I do believe they think I am some sort of god. We would be honored if you would join us. Join the party. Don't miss Star Wars Celebration 6. August 23rd through the 26th at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida. Tickets and more information at StarWarsCelebration.com. What do you think? Are we ready to launch into that? Okay, so what we're talking about is Star Wars Annual Number 3. Big jump in price for this since it's a double size issue. One dollarini for this annual. Break the Bank, 1983. You got Joe Duffy writing again. Klaus Jansen basically doing everything. Uh, penciling, inking, and coloring. Joe Ragan doing letters. Louise Ed- Jones is editor and uh, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So our story begins, I'm assuming pre-Jedi, with uh, Darth Vader, pre- see- as seeing as how Darth Vader is alive, preparing a mission to the Kalthus system. I-, I think it's the Kalthus system... There's I, there's a little confusion for me whether it's that's the name of the planet of the system, and uh, he, anyway they're they're going on a mission to the the system because the emperor sort of sends trouble brewing there in regards to their their imperial bases and interests, especially on the planet Belderone, which at first I thought was the name of the system, where they plan to, to squash some rebels who are causing trouble there. But on Kalthus, um, we meet this uh, this kid named teenager kid named Flint and uh, his buddy Barney, and they're two troublemaking, fun-loving teens. And Flint's really excited. He goes and wakes up Barney because an off-world ship has landed. It's very Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, and... So and you know it's a it's an unusual ship. It doesn't look imperial. So they go to check it out, and uh, of course it's uh, Luke, Leia, Lando, Chewie, and the droids. So pretty much the whole crew besides Han. So uh, Flint immediately sees a lightsaber and takes Luke for a Jedi, but Luke kind of blows him off, and uh, you know says uh, you know uh, whatever kid. So they 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 go to. Flint's mom's bar to uh, snoop around on Flint's advice and just sort of figure out what's going on on this planet when uh, Luke realizes that Vader's sensed his presence there and uh, Vader's not the only one onto them as uh, a nosy neighbor of the bar has already gotten on the horn and blown them into the Imperials so uh, of course they're ambushed but Luke and uh using his Jedi powers sort of blasts his way out really impressing Flint and Barney and and um, making Flint believe even more so that Luke is a Jedi and probably now believing that he's a rebel and uh, meanwhile Vader Vader is informed of uh, this trouble and decides he's going to choke out an underling for good measure and uh, he will go there and handle this, this uh, problem himself so Luke after a, a little soul searching and arguing with Leia and Lando, decides that he should go to Kalthus to get some of the the rebel troops, and uh, and bring them back. Meanwhile, uh, Flint and Barney take Lando and Leia to the Imperial factory where they've been working, and they find out it's been making Imperial walkers, 
and, uh, and they find this out because the ground sort of opens up underneath them and a bunch of walkers come come marching out and uh, marching towards the village by the way so but Barney and Flint they race race off to warn the villagers that a, a fleet of of adats are coming their way and at the same time Luke shows up with some X-wings and they start taking down the the adats hoth style with their with their with their grappling hooks and uh Luke and Leia take over some walkers Endor style and uh in their haste to warn the 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 town Flint and Barney crash uh Flint awakens to an apparently dead Barney and uh his mom's bar is just stomped flat by the adats and then when he finds his mom's body he pledges he will get power and revenge and then we find out it turns out that Flint is pretty much actually the one that the the person that Vader has come to Belderone to deal with and he scoops him up as a, a potential apprentice or underling so meanwhile we find out that Barney's still alive he's banged up and he's he's going into the rebellion so he's he's taken off with our heroes and uh, we end with Flint donning his stormtrooper uniform and helmet and marching off to battle somewhere under Darth Vader's approving eyes. And that's Star Wars Annual Number Three. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Um, I really only have a few specific notes on this. Everything's pretty general, really. My, my right. biggest general note on this is that I hated this issue when I was a kid. Maybe it was the fact that it was a dollar. Maybe it was the fact that it was Klaus Jansen art, which I never, ever liked. I'm not sure what it was, but I have to take a whole hell of a lot of it back now because I actually dig this issue now. We're we're right on we're right on a part because I was a little excited about it because Klaus Jansen. Well, at that time, this uh, when this came out was about the time I believe when Frank Miller had had phased himself off a of Daredevil mm-hmm. and Klaus Jansen took over, right? And he was sort of doing a Frank Miller right. on it. And I didn't like it at all. It wasn't as good as Frank Miller, and it was kind of sketchy. Right. And he did that in here. There's there's a scene in here with a with an underling who's sort of on his knees and cleaning Darth Vader's boots while Vader's you know giving some exposition, and he's seen his reflection in Vader's boots. That's right out of a Frank Miller Daredevil, an old Frank Miller Daredevil, except it was like a ninja guy, and he had an underling who looked just like this guy with the bowl haircut, you know? Right. I mean, this guy looks sort of like an Asian underling that you would see in a, like, ninja training facility or something, you know? And and I remember being like, ah, he's just doing his Frank Miller, but it's that sketchy sort of art style. I do not like it, and I, I remember I liked the story to this, but the artwork kind of ruined it for me. Right. Now, <laughs> I find that I like the artwork now. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, there's some pretty nifty... It, A, it's, pr- it's... I don't know, it's not as sketchy as I remember it, except there's one notable exception that I'll get to in a few minutes. But... I like there's a very nice sequence it's just a whole full page spread of basically just zooming into the village 
yes. along the skyline of the planet. And that's awesome. It looks like a piece of animation, you know? It looks like yeah. a, like it, like frames storyboards. From, an, from storyboards, yes. And it's it's really neat. And I like how it brings us into the story of, you know, of um of Flint. And um yeah, I I um where the art went uh downhill for me was the Walker battle. Yes. Was it it uh, that part still looks lazy to me. It takes up a lot of. There's a lot of, uh, you know, just shots of basically X-wings taking out walkers in the same way that we've seen before, and it really sort of eats up a lot of space. And he's just not good at drawing spaceships, especially X-wings. And uh, and some of those walkers look really goofy when. Some of them have like extra super long legs, and well, there's a. I know. wish the friggin' page numbers were were not, or you know the pages were numbered in this. But there's a shot. It's right across from the Golden Opportunity Sweepstakes ad. The last panel <laughs> on that page, that goddamn Walker is like Godzilla size. Look at it. The yes, city it's is towering over the city. Yeah, yes. it's that is crazy ridiculous. Well, and right then, after you see its footfall behind Flint and Barney's body, and it's it's kind of actually small for a walker foot there. Right. And then you have, yeah. It, it's yeah. weird because the art goes crazily from very, very nice and very detailed to, wow, this is so sketchy, it almost looks like the pencil rough or something. The there's very there's several page. shots of X-Wings flying by walkers, where the X-Wings are all flat and square looking, and it looks like someone just took their toy paper X-Wing and set it on the back of a walker Mm -hmm. because he's got them overlapping, but there's no sense of flight. So it's like, did Luke just land his X-Wing on top of that walker? And it's like, no, he's supposed to be flying over it, but, you know, it looks like he's sitting on top of it. It's just, it's bad. (laughs) Is is he not on top of it? Because that's what I got, was that he actually did skid his... X-Wing to a stop on top of that walker, and I mean, <laughs> there's room to spare up there. Yeah. I don't know. It's very unclear. Maybe that is what's supposed to, Yeah, it is what's supposed to be going on, because there's a shot of his... But, like I said, this art is just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, terrible. It's sketchy, part, and it's, it's not well... It's Yeah, it's... I, I just don't think Klaus Janssen is very talented when it comes to spaceships, and he does okay on uh, on a sh- like the Millennium Falcon. He does a workmanlike job on the Millennium Falcon, but like battles, no. Give me like Gene Day for right, for, yeah, for space battles any day. But uh, but in in general, though, boy, I like this a lot more. the The story I found a little a little weak. I like the fact that all along Vader was, you know, he might have been sensing Luke, but he was really like sensing Flint. And once again, Marvel Comics um, really gets on top of the prequels. Right. With with Flint and his mother, you know. Fi- w- w- you know, the scene with Flint and his dead mother is right out of episode two, you know. Right. Where, yeah, uh, Vader even comments on the fact that that he sympathizes. I was, with I him. was you once, yeah, and yeah. it's just like holy shit, man. That's, I mean, it really. I mean, even the way the pages are laid out, it's very, very much like that scene. It's very emotionally laid out, like that scene, 
and and his motivations at the end of it are you know just going i know i have power with the force and i'm going to use it to gain power and it's a death of someone close to him that drove him to that you know right. and he was a very you know he wasn't a he wasn't a bad guy he did he wasn't even showing any like you know signs of he wasn't killing whole villages of uh sand people or anything he was a sort of a happy-go-lucky kid right yeah this scene very very strongly parallels episode two Mm -hmm. because you've got flint finding his mother dead and just the things he's saying he's saying i was useless and now you're dead i swear i swear to you i'm going to learn i'm going to get the training the same training my father had i'm going to become someone who matters and then i'll show them all that's very much like Anakin. That's the same motivation, yeah. And you've got Vader, who stands there watching all this, and then he's commenting to the boy and saying, you know, I know how you feel. I had almost forgotten the, uh, what it was like to feel that way. It's been some time since I heard anyone speak the way you do now. I love this. Yeah, that part of it made the book for me. Yeah, um, and it's it's got the Jedi seduction, too, right out of the the prequel, you know, where he's just mm-hmm. like, look... Look, I can't get you a job as an apprentice right away, but I get you working on uh, the the, the uh, Death Star two for a little while, and hey, you know, play your cards right and right, hook you up with the Emperor. You know, he'll, uh, he'll teach you a few tricks. <laughs> I like you, kid. You're angry. You got the eye of the tiger. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Isn't uh, the, the one of the an, uh, admirals here? His name is Andred. Isn't that just yes. a little too close to Android? I know. Just a little bit. And how the hell does Android know that Vader was once a Jedi? I mean, is this just speculation? Or does he actually know? Is you know, is this somehow like public knowledge? Oh that- no, I'll bet you there's rumors. I'll bet you they all talk and you know you know, I'll bet you there's 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 you know, somebody you know, somebody down the line when the when the all those medical droids that Anakin trashed when he first became when he crushed when he became Darth Vader, you know, some guy's throwing it out and it's like, I'm gonna check the memory chip chip on this and it's like, Hey, that's that Skywalker guy. I remember him. <laughs> he was a pain in our ass. You know? And and tells his friends and they're just like, Yeah, whatever, man, but you know, the rumor gets around. <laughs> At first, the opening to this I was kind of groaning, and I was like, man, Vader is just way, way, way too Dr. Doom in the opening of this. And then I got to thinking, though... He actually has his hands together in mwa-ha-ha-ha. Right, yeah, yeah, he does. But, you know, this is... Not only is it in the in the way it's written, but, uh, you know, Klaus Janssen's art style in this really takes me back to... Star Wars number one. Yeah, you're right. To Taken's, and when you when you follow that that kind of flashback feeling, Vader in this is actually consistent with how he was portrayed when we saw him in that book. You know, doing very much doing a a Doctor Doom. You know, so in that aspect, it kind of works. It, It doesn't really work where where we saw Vader mature to. You know, as a character, you know, by, by the time of Empire and Jedi, but still, you know, it, in in a flashback kind of way, it, it does work. Man, I I I'm I'm ashamed that I did not see that 
<laughs> and and it's it's a very and this planet's very tattooing like so it's in in a lot of ways. And I have to mention, Klaus Janssen is a really good colorist. He's he's really good with he's he's good with muted colors, and a dark story especially. He's, right. He, he I think I believe he was doing a lot of the colors for uh, Daredevil when he was working with. Yeah, I think you're with right. Miller. And uh, so there's a lot of that in here. So there's a lot of blues and purples and dark colors, you know, like military uniform colors, you know, drab. And it works really good, especially with the subject matter. Well, you know what? You know what really took me back to Star Wars number one, though? What, What really got me to thinking about that? Go to the page where... It's just just after the Mr. T ad where Vader is choking out that guy at the table. Mm -hmm. Look at the table in front of Vader and what's sitting right in front of him. Oh, he's got his cup of coffee. Yep. That's right out of Star Wars number one. Mm -hmm. I love it. I I think that's great. My biggest note on this one is is my last note, but this is my biggest one. You know, with sincerest apologies to all of the Barneys in our audience, that just is not a Star Wars name. I'm sorry. You know, I love you. You <laughs> love me. If I can't hear a name and and add Skywalker or Organa or something to the end of it, then it just don't. Barney work. Organa. You know, Barney Organa just doesn't work. I'm he's sorry. He's like he's. He's like Jimmy Carter's brother Billy, you know. He was the drunk of the Organa family. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> All right, we having a Senate meeting in here. Woo! <laughs> My ship's all shut up. Take it to Barn. <laughs> He'll fix it. Uh, I did like it, though. Hmm? You got a cracked frazzapan on your on your star scooter. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got on that one? Anything? Not really. All right. There's n- not not a, not. It's 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 uh, once again it's it's kind of a thin story for a double length. Yeah, no kidding. So there's 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 not a lot to it. Um, you know, once again, Joe Duffy, not the most realistic story writer. No. But hits it out of the park when it comes to character stuff. Which is more important in the context of this, you know? I mean, I mean, when I read this at first, I wasn't I wasn't punching holes in the story. As a matter of fact, by the end of it, it totally caught me by surprise and was like, "Wow, that's a great, great twist ending," you know? And and Star Wars was a, Star Wars comics aren't known for their twist endings either, you know, as much right. as that's true. As other ones. So it was it was because I remember reading this and going. This is kind of weird, and it was also out of continuity too. But that's that's sort of doesn't you know? There's a sort of a tradition of of annuals sort of being like that, you know, like a story, you know, just a separate story that's not having to do with the uh, the rest of the larger story. But in this case, it is. It will end up anyway, you know, as we'll see soon enough. Yep. Well, we're going to see Barney again, and in fact, we're going to see him right now. Are we ready to dive into uh, the last issue for this go-around? Hell yeah. All right, so this is Star Wars number 92, the February 1985 issue, 
cover price again outrageous it's a dollar a whole friggin dollar on this thing but it is a double-sized issue cover on this one i like a whole hell of a lot oh my god wouldn't it have been awesome if the whole comic was this team was oh yes oh it's uh it's by cynthia martin and Bill Sankevic, and uh, it's depicting a black-clad, green lightsaber-wielding Luke Skywalker. And I make a point to point out that he's wielding a green lightsaber, because yes, we saw him have that lightsaber, you know, get that lightsaber in Return of the Jedi, but in the comics, (laughs) that damn lightsaber changes colors all the time. We really haven't seen him with a green one very often, so I like to point it out when he actually has the right color. And Luke is approaching a giant floaty vision in the sky of uh, Darth Vader, who is almost kind of like pleadingly reaching out to him. If you think of the scene in The Lion King where Mufasa materializes out of like the starry sky at night to Simba, it's pretty much what you've got going on here. I got, I got, I got like Darth Vader sort of, uh, to me, sort of doing the no, no kill eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> But I really like this. It, it takes me back mm-hmm. to some of that stuff that uh, Sinkevic was doing on uh, on New Mutants. You know, the the really, mm-hmm. um, I don't even know how you would describe that art. It's a kind of abstract type of art style. Well, it's like, really like it's like a paint. It's painted, but it, at the same time, it has the feel almost like of a cell of an animation. Yes, like the way Luke yes. looks. It looks like it's almost like. The way they paint, uh, you know, the way the cell paint looks on the plastic things that they do. So yeah. it's really neat. I don't know what medium this. I mean, it's paint. This is a painted cover. It's it's you know, it's not like his normal comic book style. It's a special painted cover. But boy, it's it's gorgeous. Yes. It's a mix. It's a mixture of like big flat areas but there's like the stars are very splotchy and you know you can see the paint splatteriness of it but it's not too much he's very good at making paint splatter into also light bursts too yeah so it's just it's beautiful this i would love to have like a giant poster of of this Mm-hmm. You've got your copy. You got your copy autographed, didn't you? I if do. I- yeah, I was saving that for my notes section, but yeah, I sure do. That was uh, actually one of my biggest uh, thrills as a as a Marvel Star Wars fan was uh, was getting my copy signed by uh, Sinkevic and hoping to one day maybe even get it signed by uh, by Cynthia Martin herself. But yeah, I, that was that was a real thrill for me because I do I love the cover on this issue. One of my favorites. The uh, plot and script is by Joe Duffy once again. Jan Dersema provides the pencils. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we're seeing uh, Dersema do Star Wars. And, uh, you know, that was a, a mm-hmm. name that would go on to be closely as- associated with Star Wars comics, but for another company. Tom Mandrake inks in this issue. Rick Parker, or R. Parker, as it's listed here as the letters, uh, G. Wine, that's Glennis Wine on the colors, Ann Nascenti's the editor, and Joe, uh, yeah, Joe, Jim, rather, Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. This story is entitled The Dream. We open to a white-clad Luke Skywalker, whose outfit comes complete with uh, knee, shoulder, and wrist pads, standing in the middle of what appears to be the Phantom Zone and saying, it can't be. Darth Vader is there with him, and Luke tries to defend himself with his lightsaber, but his weapon isn't functioning. 
Luke waits for Vader to make his move, and when the Dark Lord does, it's to begin to remove his helmet. Luke yells for him to stop and is still yelling when he wakes to find that he's still living in the goddamn Ewok village. 3PO stands over him, and uh, after a bit of conversation, the faithful droid tells Luke that he's come to fetch him for another one of Akbar's uh, simply awesome treehouse meetings. At that powwow, Akbar has finally put all the pieces of the puzzle together from the bunch of little side missions that uh, we've been witnessing now for the last several months of this title. And he's come to the realization that the Empire ain't so dead as they originally believed that it was. He calls on Luke to make sure that the Rebel forces stay in tip-top fighting condition, but the young Jedi seems distracted and Leia notices this. And with that, the meeting is adjourned. Now, I would think that it would be a really big deal, you know, this whole huge revelation that the evil government that you worked your ass off and lost all these lives to try to overthrow isn't quite so overthrown yet, but... I don't know. I'll give Akbar the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's got a I plan. Just, I, I, I think most of them would be like, yeah, duh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there's that, too. So, so Luke and Leia, they go off together and have another roundabout conversation about their parentage and relationship as brother and sister and all that. It's nicely written and nicely drawn, but it doesn't really go anywhere, and it feels like exactly what it is. It's kind of a retread of something that we've seen at least two times already. Well, it's like, we don't talk about being brother and sister and all that. No, yeah, we don't. Okay, well, we're talking about it now. Okay, we're done. Time for a story. Right, exactly. They do agree to keep things on the down low regarding their dear departed dad, which I thought they'd already done. Luke, because he's not ready to face the questioning that this revelation would inevitably bring, and Leia, because, and I love this, this is an actual quote from the issue, the truth would make us so unpopular. That's actually what it says in the issue. Oh my god. Oh my god. So the days go by and we're treated to a pretty nice montage of Luke training the rebels in the use of firearms, martial arts, and hiking with a backpack like he did in The Empire Strikes Back. But eventually, we get down to brass tacks. When is he going to start the uh, Jedi Knights up again? That's a question that he gets. And uh, it's really the question at the heart of this issue and luke luke feels that he can't risk it he doesn't want to make the same mistakes that kenobi did he says he's not a teacher and that the danger of accidentally creating the next dark lord is just too great to even attempt trying to restart the jedi order that night luke has his little dream again and vader gets a step closer to actually showing us his face before uh, skywalker awakens to the sound of the rebel base alert klaxon he rushes out to see what all the hubbub's about, and he sees a small jet fighter-looking ship take out an X-Wing fighter on its way in. Using the Force, Luke probes uh, aboard the ship, and then he orders Han and the others not to fire at it, but allow it to land. Han's kind of skeptical, but he plays along. The ship lands, and out pops one androgynous-looking dude who has been watching way too much Akira, in my opinion. This guy's name is uh, Denon. He's the Prince of Naldar. Naldar. <laughs> seeking the Star Warriors' help in purging his homeworld of the remnants of the Empire, who've kind of regrouped and set up base camp there. And uh, 
He's also heard tell of a Jedi Knight living amongst the Rebels, and he's seeking instruction in the ways of the Force. Denon's a little short on his social graces, though, and he pisses Leia right off. Han and the others, they don't seem to like him very much either. And thusly, everyone seems to just kind of drag their asses about actually doing anything about Denon's problems. Luke refuses to teach him, although he does offer his assistance. Denon demands to know where Yoda is then, and that he'll just go to him instead, but Luke says that he's beyond where anyone can reach him. Remember, Yoda didn't die in Marvel Star Wars comics. He I, just I, faded away. <laughs> I just feel it's important to kind of point that out. We actually did not see him die in this title. Denon carries on being kind of a dick, and uh, so it's not surprising that when Leia comes back from a chat with Akbar about all this, the answer is, uh, no. Seems Akbar feels that uh, he's got enough shit going on with the core worlds that he just can't spare the researches for an Outer Rim world's problems. Leia feels that, uh, she, you know, neither she nor Luke really holds much sway with Akbar anymore, and Han says he kind of feels the same. Leia does, however, say that Akbar did a plan to, or did agree rather to Plan B, whatever Plan B is. Then, kind of out of nowhere, probably just because they had to squeeze it somewhere into this issue, Barney, remember him? Barney pipes up with his origin story, and that ends up with him kind of just wondering to himself, whatever happened to his old pal Flint anyway? I wonder if we'll ever see him again. Luke wanders off and finds Denon uh, taking time, literally taking time to smell the flowers. Luke tells him the news that Akbar isn't going to help, but Luke and his friends, well, you know, they'll do whatever they can. Denon actually softens up for just a moment, taking time to appreciate the beauty and wonder of the forest moon that they're on and the life around him. When Leia comes along, acts like a total bitch and just pisses him all off again. Denon accuses. Yeah, did, you, did you notice he squashes that? beautiful butterfly that landed in it. <laughs> yeah. butterfly land, and he's looking at it sadly on his hand <laughs> then Leia comes in and bitches at him he's like <sighs> yep what a dick yep no I what don't butterfly you know, do? I put some of it onto her though but I don't we'll, we'll talk yeah, about well, the butterfly doesn't have nothing to do with that <laughs> Denon accuses her of not really trying very hard with Akbar, and you know I kind of me personally I kind of suspect that he's hit the nail right on the head here I don't think she tried very hard she counters that uh, he shouldn't flatter himself and that she is coming along on this outing herself just as soon as the sun comes up Denon storms off all pissed off and everybody else just turns in for the night so that night Luke has his dream again but this time it's a little different the figure Luke encounters in the mist isn't his father it's his teacher Yoda followed a little bit later by Obi-Wan and they lay a bunch of this sage advice on the kid but uh, you know it's all presented Phantom Stranger style so it's all pretty useless it's all pretty just like jibba jabba jibba jabba <laughs> Vader shows up again but this time Luke isn't afraid of him and with his fear conquered Luke's real father Anakin Skywalker shows up out of the mist looking just like he did at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi non-special edition version right. no, he doesn't look like what's his face he looks like the old guy and he says that the figure that's been haunting Luke's dreams isn't Vader at all but something Vader helped create Luke tries to remove Vader's helmet, but instead of revealing a face behind the mask, the image just shifts, 
and reveals another Dark Lord. Luke wakes up in the Millennium Falcon and joins Lando, Leia, Barney, 3PO, R2, Denon, Han, and Chewie. Han says they've arrived, but Leia chastises him for not taking them directly to the capital city, the most fortified spot on the planet, and instead Han's taken him to this shithole, this devastated city that's beneath them. But Han says he did take them to the right place and that this is the capital city. This is all that's left of it. The Falcon gets winged by an energy cannon and crash lands. The ship's pretty screwed, and they need to go out and find the MacGuffin circuits to get it going again, so Han and Chewie stay behind while the others form teams and head out into the mist-enshrouded world to go looking. Leia with the droids, and Luke and Lando with Denon. Now, let me say that again so that it really sinks in, folks. The Falcon needs what's-it circuits to get fixed, right? So Han stays behind with Chewie. And he sends his friggin' girlfriend into a decimated combat zone with nothing to protect her but the friggin' droids. And Chewie are back drinking beer and watching pornos. (laughs) When I realized that, it kind of took me out of the story, I gotta be honest with you. So anyway, while searching, Leia and 3PO make a startling discovery regarding Denon. Luke, Lando, and Denon, in the meantime, they uh, make their own startling discovery. Laying in the rubble of the destroyed city is this guy named Foss, and he's one of Denon's loyal servants who's managed to hang on to life just long enough to tell Denon that the attack came as soon as he left the planet, that everybody's dead, but he's glad that Denon made it, and then he dies. Now I'm thinking, (laughs) this Foss guy, he's a hell of a trooper. Yeah, he is. I'll stay alive in case maybe Denon comes. <laughs> but I mean, he, he, he stayed alive through sheer willpower to tell Denon nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of that information that he stayed alive to tell him was useful in any way whatsoever. And the moment he gets the words out, he croaks. I That always pisses me off in fiction when stuff like that happens. You know, the, the guy that hang, hangs on long enough to say something and then expires i i I mean how is it just sheer willpower i I just don't get it uh so anyway luke senses something and he knocks denon and lando to the ground just as this laser barrage uh, erupts all around them back at the falcon leia returns with the needed ramifratsis or whatever and han gets busy fixing the ship She lays it on him that according to the city's computers, what they found out was that this Prince Denon guy died two years ago. So Luke, Lando, and Denon, they, uh... zombie! (laughs) ...try to fight their way through the Imperial attack, but they're uh, unsuccessful. Surrounded, the group sees the figure from Luke's dream emerge out of the foggy green mist. It's the mysterious Dark Lord. Luke taunts the guy into removing his helmet, and it's Flint. Come on, you knew it was. I thought it was going to be the Black Knight from Monty Python. He actually looks like the Black Knight from Monty exactly. Python. Exactly. <laughs> I was expecting that scenario to play out here. I'm invincible! You're a loony. <laughs> Luke and Flint square off, and uh, I guess the Stormtroopers are just so into watching this that they let Lando and Denon just run off. It's another plot hole. But they they actually make it. They make it all the way back to the Falcon, where Leia demands answers, mister, from Denon. 
Denon, it turns out, um, has a pretty good reason for looking like a girly man in this issue, because he's actually Princess Vila, Denon's sister, and uh, he just couldn't handle, or she, I guess, couldn't handle her brother's death, so she's been living his life ever since he died. Lando steps in, and I love this. He reveals himself to be the smartest friggin' character in this month's installment of Star Wars by saying, Look, you know, I'm sure that all this is very important to the both of you, but can it wait? We have all the time in the world for explanations after we've saved Luke. I love that moment in the book because finally somebody does what I would do, and this is going, Yeah, yeah, I don't care about that bullshit. We need to go rescue our friend. It's it's like they just forgot about what was going on in the story while they had this little reveal moment. It's it's pretty goofy. And I knew I liked Lando for a reason. So Luke and Flint, um, they have a pretty decent little lightsaber battle. Flint's all pissed because Luke rejected him back in Star Wars Annual Number 3. Remember, he wanted Luke to train him, and Luke said, No, sorry, I got things to do. So Flint took up with Darth Vader and got trained as a new Dark Lord and all that. Now he's going to give Luke Skywalker what for. It turns out that they're pretty evenly matched, and it isn't until a uh, stormtrooper manages to wing Luke with a uh, sneak attack that either one of them gets the advantage over the other. But before Flint can finish off Luke Skywalker, the other uh, rebels, they run out of the ship, run out of the Falcon, and they come to his aid, and Barney... Flint's old childhood chum, he literally puts himself between Flint and Luke, and he tells Flint if he wants to kill Luke, he's going to have to go through him to do it first. And of course, Flint can't do it. So, you know, there's this little moment between the two of them, but it doesn't last very long because there's this eavesdropping stormtrooper who's overheard the whole thing, and he aims his blaster at the back of Flint's head. He's going to take him out because he sees him as being a traitor to the Empire. So Denon, or Vila if you prefer, picks up Luke's fallen lightsaber and charges at this trooper guy. Why exactly? Who the hell knows? And Vila is actually shot in uh, Flint's stead. She does take out the stormtrooper, which, you know, that was nice, but she dies in Luke's arms. Flint's, he's all defeated, just stands there and cries. Leia cries too because she realizes what a royal bitch that she was to Vila through this like entire issue. But Luke says, it's alright. He can't explain how, but he just knows it's alright. So back in the dream dimension or phantom zone or whatever the hell this place is supposed to be, Vila wanders in and she's met by her long dead brother Denon and together they approach their teacher, Yoda so that their training can finally begin. Next issue, Cat's Paw. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite episodes. (laughs) Hopefully it's better than the Star Trek episode (laughs) of the same name. So what did you think of this one? I was probably overly harsh on it in my my synopsis, but I'm I'm curious to see what you thought about it. Not a big fan of the art, uh, for the most part. It's, I don't know, there's just something about his face's... Her, her, the faces that are. See, I don't know if Jan's male or female. Actually, a female, and uh, I would not learn that for years after this. You know what's really funny is it's funny that you say that because I can remember not digging the interiors on this as a kid, and 
And there's still areas of it where I'm not real crazy about it, but Jander Sema has gone on to be one of the most, you know, names most associated with Star Wars comics because she's done so much work for Dark Horse Star Wars. It might be Mandrake Sinks, and she might have gotten better. But, I I mean, the faces, I don't know why. It's like handwriting. You know how you can tell girly handwriting? Right. The faces and the bodies of this are very girly Mm -hmm. drawing. Right. Female art. Um. Once again, it's got another sort of um, anticipating the prequels with Yoda existing sort of not just like, oh, he's with the Force now, but like actually like hanging out somewhere. And, you know, you know, in episode three, they had the whole thing. Hey, I'm talking, you know, I've been talking to my dead master for for quite on for a while. He's in he's in another dimension and they're like, you know, they're. They're, they're continuing their work there, and he's been teaching me stuff from beyond the grave. So it sort of shows up with that. Good catch. Um, one art thing that I... One thing I didn't like about this is it, you, uh, Mr. Androgyny Denon um, goes, like, once, it, it, once you know that he's a girl and you go back and look at the parts where he, it was assumed he was a guy, he's one ugly girl. <laughs> right. Well, but what I was annoyed when, by when is you know he's a girl. He's that he's drawn more feminine. Right. You know he's he's actually like there's actually scenes where he's kind of where he's kind of pretty well, the, and kind of looks like a girl. Panel where where you first know for sure that he he is a girl after the reveal. Suddenly, uh, he she is drawn. Um. Her nose is, yeah, and I, you know, it's very me. feminine. Yeah. yeah, that bugged me. I, maybe it shouldn't, but it really. Let me see if I can. No, what, what it should what it should have been was if if you were like, oh, it's a girl, you should be able to go back in all the art and sort of pick up on it, you know. But you don't. Only it's, the part maybe where he's like talking to the butterfly or something. It's a very like Snow White moment with a bird, you know, type of thing. No, it's it's on the the reveal is on page thirty two. Every panel on that page, that's a dude. But suddenly, as soon as the reveal is over and, and she admits to being Vila, that panel of her kneeling down with Denon's She's kind of hot. Yeah, it, that's a good looking... And, and I'm, I'm, what a cheat, man. <laughs> that's what I call bullshit on that. Yeah. You know? Just because she's a girl doesn't mean she can't be kind of fugly. Not really fugly, but kind of Joan Jet like, you know what I mean? <laughs> little, 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 yeah, a little on the diesel side, you know, a little on the butch side. <laughs> diesel side. As, as a man is a little on the on the light on the loafers, but as a woman, she's a little little Joan Jet. Yeah, she's a little bit country. She's a little bit rock and roll. Uh, but, send your hate mail to Chris Honeywell at. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, I agree. I do agree with you. Um, I think you may have hit the nail on the head about the art because, see, I while I was not crazy about Dersema at this time because I was only familiar with Jan Dersema off of some, it was some sword and sorcery or or something like some book that she was doing for. I want to say it was DC. I want to say it was Arion, Lord of Atlantis, but I could be wrong. That's where I knew her from, and I, I just wasn't, I don't like that kind of 
that kind of title, you know, that kind of genre, yeah. and, you know, magic and sword and sorcery shit. So I just wasn't into it. So I was kind of prejudiced against this story, seeing her art on this, because that's what I associated her art with. But I love Tom Mandrake. I knew him from his work on Batman because he was one of the guys working mm-hmm. on Batman when I really got into collecting Batman, you know, in the eighties. But I don't think the two of them work well together. I think it's no. one of those those things where individually they're really good artists. You put the two of them together, they're they're not really that good of a fit for each other, you know what I mean? I agree. What else you got on this one? That's that's about that's about all I really got on it. <laughs> you know, Chewie Chewy says Gronk again. I love the Gronks. He's very uh, he's very Sasquatch in this. I noticed, mm-hmm. especially there. Thirty-two. You know, the whole thing of like, eh, I can't train the Jedi's is a total. Just seems to me to be a total like, you're not allowed to do that. You yeah. know, yeah, that type kind of thing. Exciting. So they had to. Yeah. So they so they were just sort of nipping it in the bud here. You know, just saying you're not going to see Luke training a whole new bunch of Jedi's, although. It sort of leaves it open with Flint being alive at the end. That, you know, what are you going to do with this guy? You know, he's already... Because Luke was afraid of sending someone to the dark side. Here's somebody who's actually been to the dark side that he drew away from it. You know, so mm-hmm. he's seen that, he's seen that like, the opposite of what he feared happened, actually. I don't know. I don't remember what sort of happened. Does anything become a Flint? Do we see him again? I don't think we do, do we? I don't uh, remember. I've got notes. (laughs) (laughs) I've got all kinds of notes. Um, I'm just going to go in in, and rate in order, go back to the cover here. Um, Up in the corner, the, uh, the little logo box above the price tag. Now, this is the first time... This one's used. It's a, it's a really nice one. I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's actually a group shot. You've got uh, Chewie in the background, and then Han, Leia, and Luke in front of Chewie. Han's in his standard you know shirt with a vest type of look. Leia and Luke are actually in their Hoth fatigues. Or actually, Luke's is kind of a combination of Hoth and Bezpin. It's kind of strange, but uh, you know they're in white outfits, and uh, and it's it's really cool. This is the first time we're seeing this one. And except for issues 102 and 103, which will each have a one-time cover box logo on those issues, this cover box is the one that will stick around for the rest of the series, although we will see the uniforms on the characters change colors several times. Mm -hmm. But from here to the end of the series, this is pretty much the one that they use. Um it's also the, this marks the first work by uh, Cynthia Martin on Star Wars, and that's a name that we're going to become uh, very familiar with. Actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, next issue, I think she takes over. I'm pretty sure next issue start begins the uh, the Cynthia Martin run, but it's it's either next issue or definitely the one after that. I know that she's on that one for sure, but I, I want to say it's next. I know she does the cover of the next issue. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, flipping to page one, I just have to wonder if the sportsmaster knows that uh, Luke Skywalker is wearing his clothes. I don't know if you'll get that reference or not, but somebody out <laughs> there know. might. Um, I really do like the look for Luke, though. Even though this totally looks like uh, sportsmaster's clothes, I like the look. I even like the one glove. It looks kind of cool. Um, that's just a really good, uh, really good splash page. 
Flipping ahead, page four. Oh, yeah, oh, I love this note. Page four, panel two. Are you looking at this? Mm-hmm. What the hell is that abomination on the wall, man? <laughs> That's not right. What is that thing? It's Ewok art. It looks like, it actually looks like this pagan thing called the Green Man. It looks like a Green Man thing that you would hang on your wall that was like a figure representing the, you know, the, the powers of the, it was like a man's face made out of leaves and, and branches and stuff. That's what it sort of looks like, the Ewok version of that, you know? It, it looks kinda... like, it looks like Ewok art. They're like, oh, look, what would they make their face... Yeah, I guess they would make art of their faces. It kind of reminds me of the of the bat's face from Frank Miller. I think it's from it's either from Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One. The the bat, the giant bat that Bruce, little Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne sees down in the well. That's kind of what it looks like. Man, that's I couldn't sleep look with that goddamn thing staring at me on the wall. That's just I like the I, I like the Pac Man ashtrays got on his uh, <laughs> coffee table. There. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even notice that. Got a nice little space ashtray. <laughs> space ashtray. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay, I just I gotta ask, and I'm gonna keep asking this. I think I know what the answer is, but I just I have to keep asking this. Why are these assholes still living in the Ewok playset, man? <laughs> <laughs> that's making me nuts it really is if nothing else you would think that the ewoks by this point would be like you know look dude you know we, we got to have a talk you know, we're, we're yeah. really happy to have helped you out and all but you know you, you, i think the time has come that you know you really they're need feeding to get the ewoks snacks <laughs> yeah they're feeding the ewoks snacks they don't give a shit uh, this had to be a lucas thing where they just wouldn't let him leave or something i don't know that's just yeah Oh, uh, anyway, page five, panel one. It was very nice of Mr. Spock to be able to make the meeting. Sure. Uh, pages six and seven, I'm embarrassed. I was dead wrong. It turns out that... You know that they, they did that on purpose, right? They had to. That has to be a purposeful Spock, right? Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. But I just think it's cool. I mean, that's, yeah. that's definitely Spock. But that's cool. That creature next to him, though, with the with the eyes, eyes in the back of his yeah, head, that's yeah. not right either. Yeah, there's some disturbing imagery in this book. Um, but yes, pages six and seven. Um, you know, I gotta fess up. I was completely wrong. I didn't think. I thought that Luke and Leia only ever one time discussed their parentage and and all that, and I was wrong because they talk about it here. It's almost exactly the same conversation. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why I didn't remember that they did it more than one time, but uh, I was kind of embarrassed about that. My bad. Flipping way ahead, page 11, the page where uh, where Luke runs out after his little nap, and we see one of the Rebels is aiming one of those turret guns at Denon's ship, and then we see Denon shoot down a uh, an X-Wing. I just got to say, I love the art on this page. I mean, that Rebel Cannon looks just like the little toy of it that I used to have. It's really mm-hmm. accurate. And then that X-Wing is one of the best X-Wings I think we've ever seen in this title. That really looks like a movie X-Wing right there. It's it's not all truncated like the toy. Because I think they were using the toy as a model in these books a lot of right, the times. Right. The toy is not a, an accurate representation of what they really looked like in the movie. Because this one's got the longer whatever you call that, fuselage or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like like the actual ones do in the movie. I, I think that's pretty cool. 
Um, page 14. How the hell does Denon know about Yoda and that Yoda was Luke's teacher? I wish they'd gone into that somehow. Well, I guess there's got to be stories of Yoda. He was pretty famous Jedi. Retroactive. You know, I mean, it was only yeah. 20, yeah, it was only 20, or, 20 or so years ago, you know? Yeah, but I mean, still, I, I, is he not assumed to be dead? Because it gives the impression here that it's that it's common knowledge or public knowledge about Yoda the, having taught the, Luke, and I'm... I thought it was pop common knowledge that just all the Jedis were dead, you know? Right, yeah. So somewhere, you know, that that's that's kind of a weird part of this story is like how did he find out about that you know for one like you say yoda's assumed to be dead but then also you would think that luke would want to keep something like that under wraps i can't see that being something that luke would make public knowledge but Mm -hmm. i I guess maybe maybe if you know once the empire is defeated maybe if he figured you know what what would it hurt i i don't know yoda's dead it's not like they're gonna go trash his house and piss him (laughs) off or something all right you're gonna love this one page 21 Panel four. What the hell is up with three PO's head? He's got like skull head there. He's got like Phantom of the Opera face there. He's got like one like a crystal skull head or something. Or a little. He looks a little bit like the um, medical droid too. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, it's just that's not right. His head's all like elongated or something. He's freaky looking. I love page 24, page 24, first panel, it looks like 3PO's about to back him. Slap him, yeah. <laughs> he's going he's to give him like, the like, shut up, Lando. <laughs> Get your hands off my bitch. This marks the first post-Return of the Jedi appearance for Yoda. And I'm pretty sure it's the last appearance for Yoda um, in this title. Same thing with uh, with Ben Kenobi, first and last appearance. You know, it's his first post Jedi appearance and last for the title. I'm pretty pretty sure. And uh, Yoda looks good in this. It's actually some of the best mm-hmm. Yoda we've seen as far as looking like the movie Yoda. Now, again, I've got to wonder if there was ever any kid out there that only ever read the comic and never saw the movies you know like our friend david shell because if you if you oh, right. ever followed the comics i would think that yoda would confuse the hell out you wouldn't of know what the hell he looked like yeah because he not only did he change appearance but he didn't die in the return of the jedi adaptation and luke went to visit him and then Luke just leaves. He doesn't the the big you know drawn out Luke you know isn't isn't in the adaptation. So as far as if you were following this strictly in the comics, as so far as you know, Yoda's still around. <laughs> so this this would actually be your big reveal that Yoda was dead. I guess I don't know. It seems a little bit weird. Um, this has got to be why I don't remember Flint. I mean, I remembered him in the Annual 3, but I thought we never saw him again after Annual 3. I totally forgot that he popped up in the series proper, and this has got to be why, because believe it or not, this is the payoff, dude. This is all we're going to get. We never see this guy again. Uh, He's not that memorable. He's not, but I mean... He could have been. He could have been, yeah. That's the thing. This guy could have been, you know, something, and... (laughs) 
this is it. I mean, it feels like a whole lot of buildup for like very, very little payoff. He, the fight between him and Luke wasn't even really all that spectacular. I mean, it was only a couple of panels, really. So, yeah, kind of a, a whole lot of buildup for a whole lot of nothing. Now, according to uh, something, I was, it had to be Wikipedia, something I was looking at, because I was curious about this guy. According to that, there's been a retcon involving Lamaya, where it turns out that, again, this is all retcon, but according to that, during this story, she was actually, you know, because Vader and the Emperor were dead, of course, he was actually answering to her at this point, so she was actually his master. So she was wor- he was working for her, and after this whole thing where he, you know, uh, what do you call it, forswears the Empire and all that, He'd, he'd do a little bit of jail time, and then he would get out, and he'd kind of work with the Resistance a little bit. Well, eventually, she tracked him down and killed him for his betrayal at Naldar. So, I guess, retroactively, that's why it explain, you know, how it's explained that we never see the guy again, because she gets to him. So, yeah, Flint, he could have been a contender. But that's about all I got on this. Yeah. What do you think? I was... I wish Senkovitz and Cynthia Martin had done all the art in it. Then it might have been really spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Shored up the story a little bit, but eh. Meh. <laughs> I, I miss Tom, Tom, Tom. I miss Tom Palmer on it. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I made a note um, way back some at some point we were talking about Palmer to talk about this and then I forgot to do so. It's funny that uh, I'm actually on a read-through of the Avengers right now. Mm-hmm. And I just hit the issue. I want to say it's 255. I could be wrong. But I just hit the issue where Tom Palmer comes onto the Avengers. And I did a little homework on it. And that's right when he left Star Wars. So it's it's so weird that we're at the same exact time in our Star Wars coverage that Palmer just left the book, and now I'm following exactly where he went. So I, it's it's almost like I'm following Palmer, you know, in my comics reading. It's so odd, but it's it's cool because I can totally see the art style. It may be a, a completely different book, a completely different team of characters, but the art style. You is can so, see it, yeah. It's just, it's, it's actually really neat. I, I've, I've gotten a kick out of that quite a bit. But yeah, it just just happened to be just a a freaky coincidence that that that, that synced up all at the right time. But uh, yeah, I, I, God, I love Tom Palmer. His uh, his stuff on the Avengers is just awesome. But yeah, I you know I have to I have to kind of sum up the same way as you did. Is that overall yeah kind of meh, which is a shame, but. I do know I can I can guarantee the listeners that we are headed into uh, the the second wave here because we're about to get into some really really good Star Wars stuff and fingers crossed I think we might be scoring ourselves a uh, a nice guest in the uh, not too distant future for Star Wars Monthly Mondays so stick Ooh, with us nice. on that I'm very excited about it if it all shapes up properly so. Speaking of guests, all you guys, I know you might. Some of you might be Star Wars and not Star Trek, but next week when Star Trek Monthly Monday comes out, you might want to check out the <laughs> the, the the original series one 
yeah, we have a special guest on that. You may you may very, be amused. Very special guest, yes. You may enjoy that episode. All I'll say is I don't think Scott and I have laughed that much in an episode ever. I was literally in pain by the end of it. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. 
If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.